All right, all right, all right. Carnivore Soldier coming at you from Austin, Texas. Today we have another interview on the podcast called The Carnivore Way. And in this podcast, we interview content creators in the carnivore lifestyle. And on this one, we have Nia from Nia's Way from, I believe she's up in Dallas, but I'll let her tell you herself. So I'm going to bring her on, let her introduce herself. Hey, Nia, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on today. Cool. Everyone here knows me. I don't know if they know you or about your channel. So why don't you just like talk about yourself a little bit? Let us know how long you've been carnivore, where you live, what your life's like, or what you do, that kind of stuff. Sure. Right now, my primary job is uh, being a mom. So I'm home with my three-year-old daughter. And I've been carnivore once in the past. And so we can talk about that if you want. But then I kind of came off the diet and then... I've been, I recently decided I need to go back strict again. And so I'm almost up five months. I think right at the end of December here, coming up on New Year's, I'll be at my five month mark. And yeah, there's been all kinds of positive things and some things that I'm still working through that I document on my YouTube channel. So my YouTube channel is Nia's Way. And I talk about kind of everything that I'm doing to improve my health, improve my mindset. And a lot of that is, is carnivore related videos and just documenting my journey. I like to do some recipe videos and talk about ways that we can make this way of eating affordable and maybe more accessible to people from that perspective of shifting your way of eating, thinking it might be more expensive or anything like that. I talk about some stuff related to feeding kids this way, like animal-based proper human diet style. And then I'm also into yoga and just a lot of kind of introspective practice, like thinking about how we're looking at life. And I've noticed some mental health improvements based on when I'm eating carnivore versus when I haven't in the past. And so I feel like our nutrition is such a fundamental component to just opening that door to healing on all different levels. And so I like to talk about that too. So that's kind nice. Of that. I mean, you just opened up a bunch of great stuff for me to ask because I'm really interested what did you eat before carnivore, before you ever went the first time? Were you just a standard American diet girl or were you a vegetarian or what What, were you, what was your focus before you went carnivore the first time? I come from a long background of experimenting with my diet. I started having what I would consider sometimes mild, but to moderate IBS symptoms when I was a teenager. Mm. And it was enough to kind of stop me in my tracks sometimes. And as the years went on, and I probably around my early 20s was when I realized like, this is a problem. And it was embarrassing. So I didn't want to talk about it or tell anybody about it. So I was very secretive about what I was going through. But I decided to start looking at diet as a solution because I realized everything that was happening to me symptom wise was happening every time I ate and it was all based on the food I was eating. So I thought, okay, if I can just figure out what to eat and what I'm intolerant to, maybe I can handle this and feel better. And I did go see some doctors from time to time. I was in the ER once and almost in the ER another time. And so hmm. I did have interactions in the modern medical system, but unfortunately I was not really helped a whole lot in that way. And so I've just taken it upon myself over the last, I don't know, it's been probably closer to 15 years now to figure out how I need to eat. And so it was a progression. I definitely tried the vegetarian. I tried raw vegan for a while. 
thinking that that was the healthiest way to eat. That's kind of, there's so many like juicing and healing protocols and raw fruitism and all this stuff that claims that that can heal you from, from all kinds of things. And so that's the first path I went down. I got worse doing that. Every symptom that I had, including brain fog, fatigue, my mood issue, and then my gut issues were the primary concern at that time all got worse. So I slowly just started I added, found paleo and added animal foods back in. And then I, from there, I slowly just was cutting things out until I got to a place where I was experiencing no more symptoms. And that was a place of just eating meat. And so I could wow. just stumbled onto that through a process of elimination and then went online and realized, oh, this is a carnivore called a carnivore diet. And that was like when Sean Baker popped up and Michaela Peterson was starting to talk about her diet and Jordan Peterson too. And then that was about 2018. I was on it for about a year with some caveats that we can talk about too. And then when I got pregnant, I got meat aversion and I felt just really, really pretty bad um, the first couple of trimesters. It wasn't just meat aversion. It was like just everything smelled terrible to me. I couldn't really stomach much of anything until later when I ate almost everything I could get my hands on. So pregnancy was an interesting experience, but that's when I officially went off the diet. And then, like I said, now it's been almost five months when I that I've been back on it. And I realized, okay, I really am somebody that has to eat this way. I've kind of thought, because I did experience so much healing the first time, I thought, well, maybe I can just do like paleo or keto, or I can kind of have things here or there. But no, I don't think that's what's at least in the right here and now is not, is not where I can be. So it's back to carnivore for me. It's, it's really good to know yourself. And that's one of the the discovery of what, because everyone's different because some people can, I mean, some people are moderators. I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm a binger. I, I cannot, I know I'm like an alcoholic. I can't just if I was an alcoholic, my dad's an alcoholic. He can't just have one drink on New Year's. He can't. And he hasn't mm-hmm. for 20 years because he knows himself. So I think that self-discovery, this just gives you the chance to do it when you're on the standard diet. Well, the thing is, I think when you went back, you must have, I, I know when I've tried to reintroduce foods, I'm much more sensitive to, wow, that really affected me. And you switched over, although you were pregnant, so you had a lot going on, but with your body and hormones and everything. So I'm sure mm-hmm. maybe you weren't sure if that was the food or your pregnancy or what. And then when you got, after having the child, you just continued down a standard American diet, or was it more like trying to eat whole foods before you went to Um, Oregon? Yeah, it was, to be honest, it was a little bit of both. It's, I wouldn't call it standard American in the sense that 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 was the standard for what I was eating, but definitely some processed foods got in there just out of just pure convenience and being tired. And we also had a lot of just there was just a lot of change and a lot of like chaos is a strong word, but there was a lot going on in my life. Like she was born in 2020. And so it was just like, there was a lot going on, a lot of stress, a lot of change. And so my kind of entire philosophy about taking care of myself and what I had been so into just kind of way to the back burner and all these other things came into focus. And so I definitely tried to do my best to always be eating whole foods, but there were definitely like processed items that came in from time to time. I have always pretty much maintained a low fiber diet because I know that's primarily what triggers all of my gut symptoms, anything with fiber. And so 
that's always been hard and fast rule since I discovered that. But all the junk foods and the processed foods have essentially no fiber. So I can actually tolerate those things better with less symptoms than I can like eating rice or potatoes or vegetables or something like that. So that's where my pitfalls come in too. Cause if like, if I'm going to have a cheat, I can't really do like Brussels sprouts or something keto. It's like, it would be something processed. And yeah, I, de I definitely can now feel like I can relate to people who struggle with the addiction to those processed foods because it is real. Like it's been harder to transition the second time than it was the first time around for sure. Okay. That's good. That's what I was going to ask you. Like, well, how'd you find your transition the second time? <clears throat> it was harder. And what was harder mm -hmm. about it? The cravings were stronger because the first time I had been cutting things out so gradually over a period of years yeah. and then like months would go by before I would cut something else out. And so I was, I had been off grains and bread and anything processed for years before I actually went from like very low carb keto into full carnivore. But this time it was like cold turkeying a lot of things. I cut out alcohol again. I cut out any processed foods and then no carbs. And so I would lean heavily on the dairy and cheese in the beginning because I was having all these cravings that I wasn't used to. That I didn't have the first time. And then there were just other stress components that I realized, OK, I need to handle other lifestyle factors as well to help me transition because just the stress of doing that was causing me to want to have these binge urges again. And so there were a couple of times when I did have sugar or something like cheesecake or something like that. And so I just found I struggled with the cravings more and it, it was just more stressful, I think, and it mentally yeah. stressful. It sounds like you had a normal transition the second time. And the first time was not normal. Cause like most people, like most of us, like me, when I went, I went cold Turkey. I just, because I mm -hmm. saw a video and I was like, that's got, and I saw Dr. Barry and I saw some other doctors. And I'm like, this has got to be real. So I'm just going to do it. And I just emptied my cabinet and went cold turkey the next day. And the first couple of weeks were hard, really hard. Mm -hmm. uh, physiologically and mentally, I had um, emotional snacking needs that I thought I needed. And I was craving that. And then, of course, the physiological, because that's real until you get out of your system. Mm -hmm. So I totally get it. But I think what you experience the second time is what most people experience when they go into this diet, because that's why people have a hard time with it. But it is so worth it when you get on the other side. It is, I call it carnivore zen, because mm -hmm. you just get to this point where you're like, man, I don't even, I don't even want that stuff anymore. It's, it's very empowering. Yeah. I think it's empowering to be able to have control over your health, which um, I just didn't have. I was not in control. I was along for the ride. And that's the way I felt. All right. Can you talk a little about the mental and physical effects of the carnivore diet for you? And I assume your daughter is doing carnivore too, or a version like a ketovore, or what's she doing? Yeah, she's definitely not strict carnivore. I just call it animal-based. And mm -hmm. I know that's not really a specific term as far as exactly what, but my philosophy around that is nutrient-dense foods first, animal foods first, and then if we're going to have fruit or a special treat every now and then like that is a completely different category and that's not what we rely on daily and so I'm always serving a different variety of animal foods first and then anything else comes as a side or a garnish or something like that and so, yeah as far as myself physically I 
I think I have a lot of the typical things like dropping excess fluid, just feeling lighter, not feeling like all my digestive symptoms go away, any bloating, you know, gas, pain, stuff that I used to live with constantly on a daily basis goes away. This transition, it took me about three months though, before my Mm -hmm. digestion felt kind of normal. I did have bouts with diarrhea, constipation, depending on how much fat I was eating. I felt like it did take me quite a quite a bit longer to be able to ramp up my fat, which has happened recently over the last about six weeks. And I notice once I've been able to ramp up the fat, that's when I've really started to feel more of the mental and mood benefits, which I think is pretty common too. But I would say weight loss was not a, a big thing on my list, but I have lost a little bit. I'd say maybe like five pounds. And that's pro- most of that's probably fluid, but I do notice a little bit of muscle leanness coming out. And I'm not really exercising a whole lot at all right now, which is something I cut back on because it was just stressing me out too much and like making the transition harder for me. So I'm starting to feel energy increase. And energy is the other thing I've struggled with. And so that's been also a slow improvement, but I am now, again, I think with this higher fat content that I've been able to have, I'm starting to notice, okay, I need way less caffeine. I've cut my caffeine intake back, I'd say 80 to 90%. There's some days where I go, excuse me, all day without caffeine. I still drink decaf because I like the ritual and the, the smell and all that stuff. I'm still addicted in that sense. But the caffeine was really messing with my head and... So now that my nutrition is more stable, I'm able to eat more fat. And it's just like you're saying, it's giving me more of that Zen in my body and in my brain. I can, I've been able to like drastically take out the caffeine and hopefully I'll be able to eliminate that completely. But yeah, just much more stable, a feeling of groundedness and I can tolerate more stress now. I like, I felt like I was flying, like ready to fly off the handle at the drop of a hat when it's just like just feeling frazzled. And like you were saying, I'm not in control of my reaction here. It's like something else has got a hold of me. And yeah, now I'm coming up on month five and it's just almost like night and day, the difference. Yeah, I agree. And it's super important how you talk about ramping up your fat. I think a lot of new people, if you're new looking at this diet, a lot of people think I'm going to get lean cuts of meat and uh, focus on how much protein I need and all this stuff. And they start asking macro questions like, and they start planning on fasting and restricting their calories. And like, that's not what this is. This is not that this is different. This is an elimination diet where you can eat as much as you want when you're hungry and then eat till you're satiated, but it's gotta be fatty meats. You have to, what kind of fats do you add into your diet when you say ramping up your fats? I'm curious. I primarily use tallow and butter. Sometimes experimenting with cutting out pork because I do still have some psoriasis. And I think the times that I, cause I've kind of always been eating bacon and yeah. like eating a lot of pork fat too. We like pork chops and roasts and I love ribs and stuff. So I would eat a lot of those like really fatty pork ribs. So when probably in the beginning I was eating some lard too, but now I'm really just doing butter and tallow. Yeah, for those that don't know, the <laughs> pork can ca- cause a histamine reaction in some people, and then they can get skin rashes or psoriasis, mm-hmm. whatever. Everyone's body's different. So this is an N equals one, right? You're your own experiment. But in part of becoming a carnivore is learning what your body does and reacts to for different things. Like for me, I I was I cut coffee out in the beginning, 
but I did like coffee. So I thought, well, I'm going to bring it back in. I've been carnivore for 180 days. I'm just going to start some coffee. I did it for a month and all of a sudden I had arthritis in my shoulder and where my injuries were, my ankle. I couldn't, I couldn't mm. start sprinting. And I thought, I actually initially thought that I just ran too hard and I shouldn't have. And I thought maybe I slept wrong on my shoulder. I didn't relate it to the coffee. But then I interviewed Darlene, the other mother that I interviewed the other day. And she's like, are you drinking coffee? When I said I was getting this arthritis, I'm like, yeah. And she goes, try cutting it out again. I did. And boom, a week later, it's gone. The arthritis just disappeared. Okay. So you never know. So if you haven't cut it out, you just don't know. And mm -hmm. I just assumed a stiff ankle because it's been injured pretty badly when I was in the army. I just assumed that was just the way it was for life until it wasn't. And I think that's the other thing on this diet. It's same with mental issues. Like I assumed that being depressed every now and then was normal and anxiety levels. I didn't know I had high anxiety until it went away. And then once it did, that was, that's now I have a benchmark. Now I have a line I can say, and then if I add something and it goes up, I know that's not good. Exactly. And I should comment on anxiety too, because I guess when I say stress, that's correlated with the anxiety that I was experiencing. And it's like you said, I'd, I'd go between sense of apathy of just numbness and not really feeling like I could feel emotion. I couldn't access my emotion, which is why I leaned on alcohol for so much of my life is because I just had this cloud over my emotional state. Like I'd never really felt depressed, but I couldn't feel joy either. And it was just a struggle to relate to people, a struggle to access that. And so I would use things outside of me to feel essentially. And I didn't really even realize that until it went away. And yeah. then I started realizing, okay, I'm bouncing back between this apathetic state and this state of heightened anxiety. So I would be like overly worried or overly anxious about what if this happens or what if that happens or what do I do if this person says this or does that and just spiraling and stuff that keeps you up at night and then it disturbs your sleep. So then you're not rested and then that affects everything else like a domino. So sometimes we don't even know how bad we feel until it changes. And then you're like, oh, this is what joy feels like. Like yeah. I can actually access this without drinking or without having to go to somebody else for stimulation or media or whatever. I can just be joyful within myself. And it's like a crazy cool thing. It's totally different. To yeah. Happen. That's carnivore Zen. That's the only way I can explain it because people understand mm -hmm. Zen means, okay, they're at peace. Right. And that's really what it is across the board. I used to, when I started, even the first month I was in carnivore, I was drinking every day at night. I'd have my bourbon every night because that's what I used to calm myself to go to bed. Now I have alcohol over there, but I don't drink because I don't want to. Now, if I go out with my soldier buddies and we're going to have a cigar and a bourbon, I'll have one socially. But mm -hmm. I don't feel the need to anymore. And I did feel the need to. Not that I was an alcoholic, because I wasn't. I was drinking mm -hmm. one drink to go to bed, a nightcap or whatever. But the change in me, and then the be able, to be able to fall asleep easily, which I do now, and sleep well through the night. That wasn't happening. That was not happening at all. Except for the first couple of weeks when I had to get up to pee all the time. Because that fluid coming out of you, man, I was getting up like two, three times a night just to pee. I was like, man, this is crazy. And then once that cloud's gone... Because I was pretty depressed as far as all my life, I've been an athlete and a soldier and an army guy, and, and I've been in good shape relatively for my age. And then once I hit 50, my health started declining. I started, the injuries piled up. My last two years in the army, I've retired when I was 53. I'm 57, so I'm an old guy. So uh, at 53 years old, I could no longer pass the army physical fitness test or maintain the weight standard because my body was just kind of losing control, even though I was trying to do the same thing. 
and then after that, when COVID hit, I got up to 280 pounds during COVID and really depressed thinking that my whole body, my whole life's just going to be like a steady decline to death. That's what I was thinking. That's really where I thought that if I could just hold on long enough and not die before my son gets married, it'd be nice to see him get married or something, right? Because he's 14. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, that's kind of my mindset was. And I was like, well, my dad made it to 79. But the bad thing was my mom died at 67, which is 10 years older than me from Alzheimer's. And I was scared I was getting Alzheimer's too. I was like, it's like the boogeyman. I was terrified of it. Like when I start forgetting things, I'm like, oh crap, am I getting Alzheimer's? I don't have any of that fear anymore. None. I fear no Alzheimer's. I feel super uh, sharp. And I believe her Alzheimer's was diet related too, because she ate the worst standard American diet you could think of before she died. When Before she went to the hospital, like she would eat a box of wheat thins with processed spray cheese on it for a day. That's all she'd eat. Like she, it was like the worst food you can think of. Right. And I didn't think it was bad back then. I was like, well, it's wheat thins. That's grains. And that's got to be healthy. Right. And cheese, surely that can't be bad for you. But it's, <laughs> you know, I didn't know. And none of yeah. it did. And yeah. uh, now, now my sister and my brother are carnivore because we, we were all kind of worried about Alzheimer's and now we're not worried about it. And we're we all getting healthy, getting off meds. And and we talk about those like, wonder if we knew this, if our mother would still be alive with us now. And maybe, I mean, we can't rewind the clock. When I always say that I wish I had known this earlier, I really do. But I'm so grateful I found it when I did because I really look forward to a long life now, really healthy and feeling great. I run sprints now and I couldn't even run back then. And now I'm running sprints and going to the gym and getting back into my college shape. I'm the same weight I was in college. That's crazy. Yeah, I saw your post today. That's so cool. And I'm hoping that that, I feel like that's going to come back for me soon where I really feel that desire to exercise. I know I've heard a lot of people say that where it just clicks and you're like, I have all this energy. I need yeah. to go burn it type of thing or get back in the gym. And cause I love exercise, but I was just at a place where my hormones were just fried, like just too much stress, too much and not taking care of myself. And so I was like, I'm cutting out this for now and just letting myself heal. And then when I feel like I can handle it, then I'm going to add it back in. Yeah. So that's that's what you listen to your body. Just like hunger signals. When you get to relearn your hunger signals on this, because your hunger signals are broken on the standard American diet, eating all the processed foods that break, they do it intentionally. So you want to snack all day. And just like you had to relearn those yet. Once your body's ready to work out, you'll know. And when you go in, it feels amazing. It's the first time I've been in the gym in, I would say six or seven years. And I just naturally jumped right back in and felt awesome. It was so good. So liberating to feel like, and I felt young. I felt like an athlete again. It's at my age. I'm like, man, this That's is, awesome. I never thought I listen before I saw this diet. I never thought I would run again. I never thought I'd wear below a size 40 waist again. I'm in a 36 right now. It was just, I just thought things were just, that's the way it was. And I'm just going to roll on the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. till I'm, like I said, the gradual decline and hopefully I can be here long enough. Now you're pretty young though, right? You're, do you mind me asking how old you are? I just turned 37. Yeah. So you're, Man, if I would have found this at 37. I don't know if that's I, old or young, but that's young. That's young. That's okay. really young. You're 20 years younger than me. I could be your it is dad. what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're definitely young. If I would have found this at 37, now now here's the other thing. My son is a carnivore, and I, like you, I didn't. Well, I didn't force him. If he was your daughter's age, I would have done the same thing you were doing. I think I would have done a meat based diet, knowing that fats are good for him, and introduced him. Mm -hmm. So when I went carnivore, I didn't force him. I told him what I was doing. Now I might have, I might have had a couple podcasts up in the truck when I picked him up from school 
and he could listen, you know, to Dr. Chafee and stuff. And Dr. Yeah. Barry, it might have happened a couple <laughs> it's times. By accident. Yeah, but uh, he made his own decision after seeing my change in the first six weeks and then also seeing me heal my ankle because he had a foot injury from soccer. And he's like, Dad, do you think it would heal my foot? And I said, I don't know, son, but it can't hurt if you want to try. And he goes, well, good. He was with me for a month in July. He said, can we do it in July when I'm there for a month? I'm like, yeah. So we put him on a strict carnivore diet, just boom. And it was so bad because the first day he went on, we went to a pool party and they ordered pizza. <laughs> And the pizza comes in, all the kids are, and he jumps in line. I'm like, hey, buddy. I was like, you're on carnivore now. Do you want to eat that pizza? And he goes, oh, you're right. He goes, no, I'm not going to eat it. I'm like, well, you can grab like a top off a of pizza and just eat the meat and the cheese. And, you know, and he's like, nope, I don't want it, dad. I'm like, okay, whatever. And that's the way he is. He's really, I don't know. He's a great kid. Straight A student. He's a really good kid. So anyway, he, uh, he went strict and he had no energy for the first six weeks. He even did it when he went back to his mom's. In which case she's not really big on carnivore. So he asked, how am I going to do it, dad? And I said, just take seconds on meat, eat all your meat first, and then pick around at the veggies or whatever. Don't eat any bread and don't eat sugar and you'll be, you'll be okay. And that's what he does. That was in July. Then in the fall, he did his cross country, which he runs. And he, he took three minutes off at three mile a time and set PRs on every race he ran and passed people he's wow. never passed before and it blew him away. He's like, dad, this is amazing. And I'm like, yeah. And he's super excited. And then he went in the soccer season. And the last weekend of the soccer season, there was a tournament. And he played three games and didn't sub out once. And he came to me afterwards. He goes, Dad, I didn't get tired. I, I'm like, man, I, I can't imagine what it would be like to be a kid. Because I know when I was a kid, I never got tired. I felt like I could just run and run and run. And uh, I can't imagine what it would be like to be a young teen doing this diet or having that secret. He knows the secret now. And he can always go back to it. He falls off fine. But he can always go back. Right. He knows what works, which is fantastic. Okay, so why don't we talk a little about being a mother and a wife or in the household, like what your what your carnivore life's like and how it's different from when before you were a carnivore. I think we talked in the beginning off camera about the major things that happen in your life and how when th something changes your identity, that's a huge moment. And then anything moving forward is affected by that. And so becoming a mom was definitely event, an event like that for me. And it made me really take a, a pause again and look at the things that I had done to find health and say, okay, well, maybe just because this carnivore thing worked for me and helped me heal, is that really what I should be feeding my child? Or is this just something that I'm going to have to stick to because I'm a sick person, which was part of my old identity. And so I definitely took some time to kind of dive back into studying what the, the doctors are saying, the Dr. Berries and Dr. Chafees and everybody, and really went back to thinking about this from an ancestral perspective. And what would I be doing as the primary, right now I'm a stay-at-home mom, so I'm in charge of cook all the cooking and I do most of that. And so nutrition is going to, what are, what my daughter's eating, our daughter's eating is going to be based on what I'm making. And so I definitely took that seriously. And I, I wanted to do the best job that I can with the information that I have now. And I really went back to looking at, okay, is this a proper way, a proper human diet? Does this apply to kids? And I actually just had the pleasure of talking to Dr. Barry about this topic specifically and got to ask him some of the questions that I kind of went through when I became a mom. I definitely prioritized breastfeeding my daughter and was able to do that 
for about two years. And so that, that was really important to me. And then just trying to, again, we weren't perfect. We weren't like a hundred percent carnivore from weaning or anything like that, but I definitely have always prioritized animal foods and tried to give her that chance to have her palate be adjusted to those foods versus all of the processed things that are available and marketed towards busy moms and all that kind of stuff. And so I definitely feel a strong sense of duty to try to create the most nutritious meals that I can for my daughter. And then for Ben, he works in restaurants and he definitely eats a lot of meat, but he's not strict in this way of eating just partly because of his job. And then he likes his treats every now and then. And so I don't, again, I'm not going to require some, another adult to eat the way I eat or be exactly the same as me, because like we were talking about, everybody's a little bit different and can tolerate different things. I definitely prioritize shopping for animal foods and that's what goes on the plate first. And then other lifestyle factors are important too, like getting out in the sun and making sure we get enough, she gets enough exercise and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I totally agree. That's awesome. Like what the experience I've had with my son, your daughter is going to really benefit from it. Probably have better teeth. Not like my son had to get braces. And I look back and I'm like, man, we only breastfed for a little bit. And then my ex couldn't do it anymore or something. And I don't know what was going on, but we went to formula and now I look at formula and it's horrible what they put in formula. I look at the seed oils. I'm like, holy cow, mm -hmm. we were feeding him like the worst food and his jaws underdeveloped. So he has braces. That's what happens when you have an underdeveloped jaw. I think, I wonder if one, if he had eaten properly, but again, this is one of those, you can't roll the clock back, but I just wonder if he would have had much fewer problems with his teeth coming in. And here's something that's interesting. I was watching a documentary on this, I think, where they're talking about where kissing came from. And some anthropologists were talking about it. Did you hear about this? The origin of kissing? I, I actually just did in my talk with Dr. Barry, oddly enough. Yeah, where yep, and I had not heard that before. chewing food and they would transfer the food to the baby's mouth. And because it really, How if you think about it, kissing is a... Yeah, that's an awesome love signal. You think about mm -hmm. it, kissing is a weird thing. Like what first person walked up and said, I'm, I'm going to lock my lips on that person's lip. That's weird, right? So something had to happen. I thought that was really cool. It's like such an act of love. And uh, now it still is, which is great. It's just romantic. Mm -hmm. I, I thought that was awesome. But let's talk about your greatest challenges with carnivore, like your first time and then maybe the second time too. Like, what challenges do you still have with it? Because I'm sure you do. Yeah. So I would say the first time around, mostly it was just doing it in public, like going to work and eating a rotisserie chicken or just eating. I worked at a sushi restaurant. So taking the fish off the rice and throwing the rice away and people would be like, what are you doing? And so that kind of, and no one was like highly critical of it, but it's just people are curious. And then yeah. it's like, well, I have this whole backstory. And so it, it's not always something that I want to discuss with everyone, like my whole life story and diet choices, but people are curious and it does affect anytime you go out to eat, people would typically notice or just living life. And so that was probably the biggest hurdle, but I was so motivated to, to heal and feel better that it, it didn't really stop me at the time. And then I would say this time around, it's just been more difficult to deal with cravings. And then I entered into starting this like right in the holiday season and I just had a birthday. And so I could, 
one of the times of year that's the hardest just to not be drinking and not be indulging in some of this other stuff. So I definitely haven't been perfect this whole time. I actually struggle with, I don't know that if I'm actually a moderator or an abstainer. And I've thought a lot about this and I've listened to a lot of conversations about the addictive nature of the brain and how some people just can be abstaining from something and feel really good. But I've always done really bad with restriction and that's been one of my food related struggles was like I would get so sick every time I would eat. So I would go on these extended fasts or I would try to not eat for days at a time because I was afraid. But then I would get so triggered by the restriction that I would binge on a bunch of stuff and then just be like terribly sick for like two weeks. And so yeah. it just it messed with my mind so much. And so I do find I don't know that people talk about it a lot, but there, there is an element to the restrictive nature of it that does get to me sometimes, especially in social environments, or there's always a thought in the back of my mind, like, oh, could I just be normal again? Could I just yeah. eat like everybody else is eating and just this one time? But then a lot of times it will just end up triggering a binge or triggering more than just having a couple of bites of something and being able to handle that. So I guess there are elements of eating this way that mentally I still find that I struggle with. And I'm always kind of thinking, oh, is it possible that someday I could heal and go back to like just eating keto or something like that? But then I do notice that I, I have that compulsion to binge or not be able to control myself around like wheat thins, for an example. Like I used to always binge on crackers or chips or that salty stuff. And so that's kind of, I like to talk about some of the mental components too around just your mindset, because a lot of that affects the decisions to indulge in some of these things too, not just the physiology. So that's something I'm kind of still working through, but definitely seeing progress in that. Yeah. It, it's a skill you have to hone being a carnivore, I think. And that's part of that is learning that like I sometimes I'll be driving all this thing, man, it's not fair that I can't go get a burger and fries. I love fries. I love crispy French fries. It's just not fair and true. It's not fair. But I don't want to put that in my body because I know what it's going to do. And I just, I've kind of out of that quickly, but it does. It's kind of like when I quit smoking back in the 90s, I would walk by someone when they lit up, especially if they had a Zippo lighter. And I'd smell that and I'd be like, oh my gosh, the cigarette smells so good right now. But then as soon as I got 10 feet away from them, it'd be gone. It'd be like a wave that it goes by really quick. And I think I'm, the longer I stay on this, the more I feel that kind of sensation that a wave will come across me like, I'll be really good. And then it goes right by. And it's like, okay, I'm normal again. And I think that's just time and maturity and being a carnivore. I don't know if you've seen Dr. Weedman, a carnivore doctor. She uh, is an ophthalmologist and she did a video about, about carbohydrates, I think. And she talked about the buffet effect. And there's a study out there. So the buffet effect is if you go into a Chinese buffet, and I'm just using Chinese because so that's what everyone correlates buffet to typically. There's all these options. And because there's so many options, people will typically overeat. And that is the effect of having so many options. And then if you go, if you, the same thing affects as applied over weeks where you have a different menu every day, people will overeat too because they have all this variety. But when you go into eating the same food every day where you're limited to CBB and E maybe, right? Then you tend to, over time, start gradually tapering off, eating less and less, and your body just eats what it needs. And I mean, there was a movie, I don't know if you've seen it, called Castaway with Tom Hanks and I do movie reviews on my channel too. And I did, I do most of the movie reviews, all of them up to that point. 
had been documentaries like fat fiction and fat a documentary and kind of the movie reviews what i do on the documentaries is i recommend you know, this is good for carnivore because none of them are carnivore documentaries they're keto or high fat documentaries but they're not strict carnivore but i think that if you know about these documentaries and you they might be good tools to give to family members that object to your diet or don't understand your diet or maybe interested in your diet so that's kind of made these documentaries reviews but i did one on uh, castaway because it came up on my streaming service i was like oh i haven't seen that since the 90s when it came out so i watched it with fresh eyes as a carnivore and it's a carnivore story it really is where tom hanks is like this bloated 40 something year old guy crashes on and gets marooned on an island and he eats fish and crab and drinks water for four years right. and he gets ripped <laughs> you know and, mm -hmm. I'm like, and i'm like man that mm -hmm. is but the, th the change that happens after four years, they show him, they do a flash forward really quick and he spears a fish and he just starts eating it. And he's, he's getting no pleasure or joy out of the food. Whereas before, when he made a fire and he had crab, he was cooking it and he's like, oh, it tastes so good. He had no emotion. And I think that's the big change in me is that I still do like the way steak tastes. And I'm, I look forward to eating it when I'm cooking it. And when I eat it, it tastes amazing. But it's not an entertainment for me anymore. It's not a, a social event where it used to be. I used to plan every meal. I'm sure you did the same thing. When I picked my son up, I would have the weekend planned out. Oh, tonight we're having spaghetti. Tomorrow we're having burgers. The next day we're having ribs. I'd have it all. And that was like part of the entertainment of being at dad's house. And now it's no longer. And I'll tell you what, I'm single and it's weird going on dates because I, ha I don't drink coffee. So I'm not going to go out for coffee. I really don't drink alcohol. I might meet up for a drink and going out to dinner is just awkward because I'm like, Hey, do you want my sides? All I eat is meat. And I usually give them their sides. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Weird. I mean, can you it's imagine? The whole basket. Yeah. If you weren't a carnivore, can you imagine how weird that would be? I mean, it's just weird. It is. Yeah. And I think that's part of, I worked in restaurants for 12 years or something like that. And so I'm, it was my job to be the face of that experience. Right. And you, and you course everything and you pair the wine and you make yeah. You detail out every flavor that these people are going to taste. And especially in more niche environment, you know, like sushi and stuff like that, you it's, it is such an experience and it all revolves around the food and the alcohol. Right. So I think part of, I, I don't know if that's programmed into me, but it's still such a part of maybe subconsciously how I see food. And I physiologically feel like you're describing, like I don't, crave food for the taste of it. I don't crave things because it's like, oh, I really want an apple or I really want potatoes anymore. But it's it's this sort of social element to it. It's like, oh, we're enjoying this experience. Yeah. Food is such an experience and coming from that world, it, that's hard to let go of. And so I can totally relate to people that that feel that. But you know, like you're saying, ultimately we're eating for sustenance we're eating for nutrition we're eating to fuel ourselves and the contrast that we're experiencing now between what it was like before that is that's motivation to definitely get back on the wagon or stay in pursuit of this way yeah your relationship with food completely changes in, in mm -hmm. my case and i think most people that are successful at carnivore that's what happens that's one of the and that's why we say it's a life-changing thing you're talking about becoming a mother your identity changes I think when your relationship changes with the food and you really get past a hundred days, then your identity kind of changes where I am. I just eat meat. I'm a carnivore and it's your mindset changes. And 
it is a life-changing event. Like we said, there's very few life-changing events in, in life. There are, there's becoming a mother, getting married, your identity changes, coming out of boot camp or basic training in the military where you're a different person when you went in. That's why I think when I meet carnivores like you, we've never met before, we have so much in common. We have, and even though we don't, we don't have exactly the same opinions on things, it doesn't matter. We just have like foundational baseline that we can agree on. And I think that's why when I connect with carnivores, it's just very natural to start a conversation like we've known each other for years. It's really cool. It's an interesting thing. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about your YouTube channel. Let me bring it up here too. Okay, here's your channel, Nia's Way. So why did you start a YouTube channel? Were you always wanting to be a YouTuber or were you one before? I, yeah, actually, I had a channel in the past. I started documenting my first round of carnivore. There's actually a lot of reasons why I just stopped. I have always had a, I guess you could call it an identity crisis in some respect. Like, I'm like, oh, well, I should be doing these type of videos or this type of videos. And I would always be second guessing myself and struggled with, I don't know if it's technically low self-esteem, but just never being sure of myself, never really feeling confident. And then when you get on the internet and you start getting these trolls and all this stuff, like it really got to me. And then I started what I called the whirlwind phase of my life where you know, a lot of things, a lot of major things changed very quickly. And so I just stopped making videos because it was not very important to me at that time. And then I actually started a new channel when we were doing a schoolie. So documented that experience. And then we, when we moved here, we're in uh, Dallas, Texas. Now this spring, I was thinking, okay, now I, I have, I'm in the place in my life where I can start taking better care of myself. I need to get back on this nutrition path. And so that's when I kind of transitioned to doing more of the videos that you see here now. Cool. Uh so you talk about confidence. Uh, my self-confidence has skyrocketed on this diet. And it's just, I think it it's not just rooted in weight loss. Weight loss is huge. That was big. Mm -hmm. And feeling athletic was big. But I think it's really just having control over myself, which I was not mm -hmm. in control. And having complete control, really. I feel like I'm in control of everything now. And my outlook's very positive now. I now plan for a future. I wasn't before. I was just like, basically, like I said, just kind of draggle along and along for the ride. But now I'm planning things for the future. I'm looking down, down range and like, Hey, this is what we're going to do. And I'm really excited about life. I'm, I want to be like Maggie. I don't know if about, know about Maggie up in Canada at 83 years mm -hmm. old, jumping over a fence and wrangling a bull. That's, that's me, me. I'd be running. Sprinting. Yes. <laughs> I want my life to do this straight line, straight line. And then boom, I'm dead. You know, I want yes. to <laughs> and running the whole way. And then when the Ferrari dies, I just want it to die. But I, Hopefully mm -hmm. that's when I'm 120. So I'm not quite mid-aged yet, according to Chafee. He said at 60 or right. mid-age. So I'll be middle-aged in a couple more years. So I'm yeah. doing pretty good. Isn't that <laughs> awesome to like, think about, you know? Well, I, I feel like I'm in my 30s. I really do. Mm -hmm. And people guess me in my 40s. And I'm almost yeah, 60. You definitely I mean, your age. it's pretty exciting. And I didn't look this way. I was like extremely swollen. Everything about my body was... My, my glasses were like bent out from this my head being swollen. Really, <laughs> not a good look. I had very low self-esteem. Mm -hmm. uh, and starting the YouTube channel for me was super weird to talk into a camera. And I didn't think anyone's going to watch my mm -hmm. videos. But I, I watched all this YouTube stuff. They're like, yeah, just assume no one's going to watch your first 100 videos. And I'm like, okay, I'll assume that. So here I am talking, thinking no one's going to watch this. And I was like a robot when I started because I had no 
you know, talking in front of a camera is just so alien. Yeah, it's a skill definitely to translate who you really are through that medium. It's yeah. harder than people think, I think, sometimes. Yeah, and it, it, again, it's, it's a skill you have to build. So it's just like everything mm -hmm. else in carnivore, I think. But it's so worth it. And now, it sounds like you were doing it to document maybe for like a journal for you, that kind of experience, or are you doing it to help people or both? Both, both. Yeah, I definitely um, feel that whatever it is that we suffer from, which kind of goes back to what you're talking about, where you just have this instant connection when you meet another carnivore, because in so many ways, we've all come from such a path of suffering in some form or fashion where we we're not able to get help or answers in any other way. Yeah. And so I feel, again, like a sense of duty almost to share what my experience was, because I know, especially with digestion and stuff like that, it's not fun to talk about people. You don't want to talk about it. It's even hard to go to the doctor and talk about it. And, but I know like, I suffered in silence for so many years and just could not even talk about this with some of the closest people in my life. And so I know what that feels like to feel like no one understands, nobody knows what you're going through. And so it's actually terrifying to go on the internet and share your story sometimes. But I've gotten so many comments on my healing story video of just your story is just like mine. I've had the same thing. And so that is some of the best. That's one of the best feelings ever is to know that just being vulnerable and sharing what you went through actually at least encouraged someone else. Like you're not alone. It's okay to talk about this. There is hope yeah. if you're going through stuff like this. So definitely to help people and yeah, just to get the word out there that there is another way than what we've been told. There's another way than the nutrition guidelines that have been bestowed upon us. Like this oh, yeah. is, this is the God's truth you know, and <laughs> we don't question it. I think, questioning is a very healthy practice to engage in and you can always go back to your axioms you can always go back to whatever it is you believed in but i think experimenting and trying different things and having the courage to do that is very important especially in the information age where we are just bombarded with conflicting information constantly it's good to just go inside sometimes and say okay what is my body telling me what is the way forward. And so that's the goal of my channel is to document you know, how I'm figuring all this out in, in all areas <laughs> of my life. And you say suffering in silence. And I think my focus on my channel is obviously focus. It's all carnivores. It's carnivore message, but really the primary focus is military veterans and first responders who are in part of this uh, crisis. Nationwide, we're having a mental health crisis, I believe. But Definitely uh, more so in the military and first responders. I think the reason they suffer more because being one, a veteran, we don't like to ask for help because we are the warrior class. We're supposed to suck it up and drive on. And the guy to the left and the right of us are doing it and we're the gal. So we need to do it. And that's what we're, they're told, we're told to do that. We're driven. Like, don't go to sick call. Just figure it out. Take some Motrin and get new socks and drink some water mm -hmm. and you'll be fine. And just, mm -hmm. that's what they tell us to do. So we hide our injuries and we internalize all of our mental stuff. We don't want to show that we're weak and it ends up being fatal. It does. I mean, 22 veterans a day committing suicide. So that's why I started mine. And I totally get it, that internal suffering. And, and like I said, you know, I think everyone is doing that to some degree because people don't want to talk about it. People ask you, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. It's great. You know what? I wasn't. And I am now when I say I'm doing fine. It's like, yeah, I'm fantastic. I'm 
I wake up in the morning and I'm energized every day. I don't really have bad days when I wake up, which is weird because I did. I'd wake up being angry sometimes or just like not happy with what the way things are going and driving. Boy, I was an angry driver too. So it's changed me too. So I get it. Uh, and, and I do, I wish I had started my channel earlier. I started mine August 7th and I started my carnivore journey March 22nd. That's when I told cold Turkey. So I was well into my carnivore okay. experience. But I had, that's when I identified that, oh my gosh, I'm having such changes. And I had influenced people around me, my brother, my sister, my son, my neighbor, and they had done carnivore and they had great results. And I never wanted to be a YouTuber. I just didn't have any interest in that. But I thought, I really want to get this message out because what if I could help people? What if that 22 veterans a day, we could put a dent in that number? What if we could save one person? That's all. That'd be great. Right. Right. So, and that is, yeah, that's such a, yep. I, th I feel so similarly yeah. about just people that I can relate to from my own personal experience. It's the amount of other, the other areas of your life that it touches. It's so devastating too. Like, I feel like you're keeping a secret from the people that you're supposed to know the best and you're supposed to be able to have these intimate relationships with, but it just, it affects and touches so many other areas of your life. And kind of like we've been discussing, it's hard to even wrap your head around how all of that is entangled until you start to feel better. And then you realize, oh, like before it would hear a loud noise. Like if a door slammed, that would trigger me into like feelings of rage inside. Like I would just act on them, but it was like, why am I feeling this triggered by something that means literally nothing? You know, it's no one's fault. That's nothing. And it was just this lightened anxiety that was just terrible. And you almost don't even realize that that is that there's any other state to be in until it goes away so yeah it's so helpful to hear somebody who you can identify with their story and that can literally change someone's life so yeah that's awesome that you're doing it too yeah that's the power of the youtube channel and that's why you know no mm -hmm. competition i mean i compete with any other channel mm -hmm. at all i don't want mm -hmm. to i'm really interested in making everyone be successful so we get that message out of the grassroots the wider our ca cast our net the better it's going to be and you're going to connect with people that I can't or not a mom. I don't do yoga. Like I said, you do. So that's great. Uh, but I'm a military guy. So a lot of people, mm -hmm. you know, I've had soldiers come to me and sailors and airmen and say, man, this is amazing. You know, I've seen the transformations and you know, you get those messages like I do that just make your day and they carry you on. And also that you can actually, this is the first time in my life that I feel like I have a tool that I can use that actually works that I can recommend they, they have to do it, but I can still give them something right. that, is valuable. Whenever we had soldiers commit suicide in my unit, we had no tools. Our tools were, oh, look for these signs and try to stop it, try to head it off. And that's almost impossible. Uh, and you can tell by the suicide rate that we have in active duty units too. It's it's really literally almost impossible, but it did make us, they'd sit us down after a suicide and we'd watch a video. And the video that actors acting like soldiers, one guy's going to commit suicide and he has all these these signs that he's going to do something and these guys miss it and they point out like well you should have caught this or so then we kind of name ourselves like oh what did i miss it my fault he killed himself right and right really, how terrible uh, yeah it's terrible and it, and it happens a lot and we have a mm -hmm. uh, cluster of the suicides you know, i said i've lost more people i knew in the military personally to suicide than combat even in wartime so that's just that's just the way it is when you do a career so it's sad People you never expect, you never, that's the thing. We're all hurting inside so much that you would never expect someone's hurting because they don't want to show it. 
And I think that's not just military. I think that's moms as dads, you know, and they're self-medicating. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that, what are your goals for your YouTube channel? Like what would a successful Nia's way uh, channel look like five years from now? What do you think? What would you like it to be? I would like it to essentially be about exactly what I'm doing right now. I started kind of a live stream on Sunday mornings because that's the time that I have um, here to watch the little ones so I can do lives without interruptions yeah. or back background music like we're having today, which is cute, but definitely distracting for me. And I say in the beginning, I, I believe nutrition and getting our nutrition right is like step one to just general self-improvement. And like you've been mentioning, it, it affects your confidence when you get in control of some of these things that have been causing you to self-sabotage or not just not feeling well every day, we can't reach our potential. You know, can't be, I can't be the best mom. I can't be the best wife. I can't be the best friend, daughter, whatever it is. Uh, I am not taking care of myself and filling up my cup first. I will have nothing left for anyone else. And so my goal is to encourage and inspire other people to become who they are, become the absolute best that they can be. And I believe that starts with getting our health and nutrition in check. And so that's why I continue to post carnivore videos and I'll be doing updates for, you know, foreseeable future um, just to try to lead by example as best that I can and share my struggles and share my mistakes and things too, because I'm a real person. But um, hopefully my journey can be an inspiration for someone else. And then I also like to talk about other lifestyle factors and mindset and how we're thinking and goal setting and self-improvement in all those different ways, personal development, because I really, that's something I've been studying for a long time and have worked really hard on in, in my own life as well. And so I think the two go hand in hand. So I'd love to just have a strong community of supportive people that all encourage and help each other and make the world a better place. Yeah, that's my plan too. Uh, I like your self-improvement uh, angle. I actually have a on my website, carnivoresoldier.com, I have a PDF that I made for planning a carnivore diet if you're just starting out. And you can download it there. And basically, it talks, the first chapter is developing your why. You have to find a big why. Uh, you know, losing 13 pounds for spring break is not a big enough why. You're, you know, fall off that thing. But if your your why is not to get Alzheimer's and die in 10 years, or your why is you know, be there for your son when he gets married and or meet your grandchildren someday, that's a big why, man. And that can really make a difference. And so you really have to identify that. And then it talks about like setting plans. And then the, the cool thing is I have in there where you can mark off your uh, your progress, but there's no weight. You don't enter weight anywhere in there because I don't think weight is the thing. I mean, it comes off. That's fine. They're all non-scale victories. They're like, uh, are you going outside for walks? Are you getting sunlight? How's your sleep? When you wake up, what's your mood like? Those are the questions that you do each month and kind of carry your growth. And I think that's the most important stuff to do. Uh, I don't like looking at the scale. I haven't been on a scale in months now. But my waistline keeps going down. I had to go buy short. I, I'm going on a date, so I had to go buy some pants, which is great. You know, my pants yeah. were all loose. So I'm like, okay, I got to get some pants. So uh, yeah, it's good. It's nice. a good thing. It's a good feeling, and it's I don't mind spending money on that. That's one of the things. Yeah. So that's my kind of plan too. And building a community. And speaking of building a community, I know you. We talked about doing an in-person uh, meetup. I don't know if you saw. But I have set the date on that, January 13th, which is a Saturday. We're doing it here in Round Rock. So any Texan viewers out there now, 
And I don't know if you can make it. You know, you don't have to commit or anything, but I know I just want to make sure you knew about it. We're going to meet up for barbecue in Round Rock, Texas, which is just north of Austin by about 20 minutes and uh, some okay. good barbecue. And we'll be having a, a live meet up there. And a lot of people already, people come from Louisiana that are driving in, I think. So that's pretty cool. One of them, and there's also a, uh, I don't know if you know about KetoCon, but that's in Austin every year. And all the doctors will be there talking. Yes, so, I definitely want to go to that. I mm -hmm. have a... I have a $50 discount coupon, which I'll have a code. Oh. I'll put it, I'll put it in the description down here below it. The earlier you buy the tickets, cheaper they are. So they go up mm -hmm. price. Uh, so I would consider if you can jumping on the tickets and take that $50 discount. And any viewers out there too, same thing. Uh, buy your tickets. It's for a weekend, but all the big doctors are going to be there. Dr. Uh, Kiltz will be there. Think Chafee Baker's going to be there, so it's going to be it's going to be re really cool. It'll be great to yeah, watch you guys speak in that. person and meet them, which is really neat, right? Mm -hmm. So much YouTubers, so it'll be fun. So that's part of the community thing too, and I'm looking forward to meeting people in person because I've interacted with them on the camera here mm -hmm. for a long time. It'll be fun. Okay, so let's wrap this up. We got about an hour in. Uh, how can people get in touch with you besides your YouTube channel, which is Nia's Way? Do you have uh, links on there, or or do you want do you have other social media accounts you have? Uh, post stuff on um i don't have any other social media right now which is okay. kind of weird i know but <clears throat> that's another one of the things that i just had to cut a lot of the excess stimulus out of my life because it was just driving me crazy so i'm just on youtube and my email address is in my about uh, okay. anybody needs to email me there and that's about it on YouTube and, and email. I'm old school, I guess, maybe. That's cool. No, there's nothing wrong with that. That's the way you do it. That's the way you do it. Uh, I've got a Facebook page. For now. Yeah, I've got a Facebook group. And uh, there's about a thousand okay. people in it now. So it's growing pretty rapidly, which is nice. nice. Uh, and I like, I was in a bunch of other groups, but I like my group because then I can kind of control what's going on there. So we don't have people dumping ads for all kinds of crazy stuff or posting things for <laughs> i don't know a lot of people post keto stuff in these carnivore forums i'm like that's really not you know i saw i was in one of the carnivore forums and people were posting about which seed oil they use to cook in and i'm like what are you you're missing it big time i mean you know uh, talk about the, the benefit for sunflower <laughs> oil over over saffron oil i'm like what it's crazy for from a yeah. carnivore point of view it is it's like that's a no-go and I kind of filter that stuff out of my, my uh, community. So it's more of a pure carnivore message. Uh, if you want to do that stuff, great. Go to a keto one or whatever. That's fine. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not I'm not against it. I just don't want it in uh, to confuse people. They're coming in new and wondering. I right. think a lot of people come in with a keto mindset. And the keto mindset is a huge variety. It's that buffet effect. It's like, oh, I can have this uh, grain-free thing. Or I can have these Quest bars. and I can, they're, Because their net carbs are 15 or whatever. And I just have to get below 20 some odd grams of carbs, right? And that buffet effect is damaging, I think, to a lot of new people coming because they think they're going to eat carnivore pizza and they're going to have this, I'm going to have this, all this variety. It's really BBB&E or Lion is really the way to start, in my opinion, to get the best results. As I like to call it best practices. We don't, we're not police. We don't make laws about what's carnivore. But these are really, right. if you want best results, you do best practices. Mm -hmm. Period. And I think anyone that did Lion Diet would get the best results if they did that initially, just because what I see with Michaela Peterson and my own experience going lion and Jordan Peterson, you can tell that that's probably the cleanest diet you can get, right? Yeah, I, I'm debating about doing lion for, for January for World Carnivore Month. So we'll see if I, I would end do up. it. 
I would do it for a month because it changed it. Well, for one thing, I mean, trying to lose a lot of weight. I was losing weight at the time, but I, I lost 13 pounds, but I needed it. I was went from 280 to 250, did uh lion diet, and I lost 14 pounds or 13 or 14 pounds in the next three weeks. But more importantly than that, once I got through through lion going back to carnivore, it seemed like there's all these options that opened up to me. And I really didn't even want them. I didn't want bacon anymore. So occasionally mm. I will, I'm not lion anymore, but I really eat mostly beef. I'm like 79, 80% lion now. And then when I do like some days though, I'll have breakfast with my son. And instead of skipping breakfast, I'll, I'll say, well, I'm cooking breakfast for him. I'm going to throw a couple more strips of egg, uh, bacon on and make eggs for myself. And I'll eat with him. Uh, it's kind of a social thing. And also it smelled good at the time. I really learned to listen to my body, I guess my hunger signals, because in the past I was just, Oh, I think the three meals a day is a construct. And I was in that construct loop where I need, thought I needed to eat three times a day. And now it's just, I just eat when I'm hungry. Like today, I, I didn't eat breakfast immediately, but I had a ribeye at 1030 in the morning because I got hungry. I'm like, hey, I want a ribeye. Mm-hmm. So, I got a ribeye. so that's the way yeah. I now I just listen to my body. Have you noticed that too? Do you, do you listen to your body more? Yes. Yeah. And I had this, this real determination to fast and keep like a strict by the minute eating window and stuff. Again, all these like weird mental things that I had made rules and the, all these parameters for myself. When I think fat, there are definitely benefits to fasting. And again, like I feel like eventually I will probably get back to OMAD or, you know, a two hour eating window like I used to do, but I had to let go a lot of, of a lot of those restrictive lines around my eating, because that's what was triggering me to like, just like, Oh, if I didn't, stick to my 20, my four and 20, then 10 o'clock at night. Well, you're supposed to be fasting. So it's like you almost make the the exception for something that's not even on your plan because it's already compromised the fasting window. So I might as well just compromise on this too. And it's like this weird mind game that happens. And so I noticed I, when I let go of that and just focused on like, okay, I can eat whenever I want, as much as I want, as long as it's carnivore, I did much better. Some days I eat three times a day, not very often. A day mm-hmm. I eat twice and I eat in a five hour window. I just ate once at 10 mm-hmm. 30 and let's see, 10, 11, 30, 12, 30. No, a four hour window at 2 30, I ate again. And that was the last time I ate and I'm not hungry. So I'm just done. Mm-hmm. I really just learned. And that's the beautiful thing about carnivores. You can learn to trust your hunger signals because they're real. And once you learn them, they are subtle. They're not the same. You're not like craving something right now, but uh, you learn them. You just learn to trust it and your body just tells you what to do and you do it. So I, I really like that. So, well, anyway, that's all we got, guys. Uh, thanks, Nia. If you stick around for a minute, I'll just say goodbye. But I'm going to drop you out and say goodbye to the channel. And sure. we'll talk in a minute. All right, guys, another great interview. Uh, Nia's really got a great channel. I recommend you check her stuff out. Uh, it connects with a lot of people in, uh, in the Dallas area. You know, up there, maybe you can get a, a local meet up too. That'd be cool. We're doing one down here and I'd love to do a meetup up there if they ever have one. So anyway, so that's all I got tonight. Uh, I got to say is stay strong and carry on. Every soldier out.